finally we were able to find a break and um, let go of our jobs and focus on strictly being entrepreneurs. And we had a business that um, we had just came across that we really didn't know much about, but we really put all of our focuses and effort on being uh, the best at what we could do. So we really put that focus and it paid off today. You know, if we continue on to the story, I could tell you many, many failures that we learned from that made us who we are today. Uh, but today, luckily, we're able to be very successful um, on being entrepreneurs. So hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another amazing episode. Uh, today we have a super special guest, Sofia Castro. She is uh, a Cuban descendant and she resides in Florida. Uh, she has an amazing story that I think everybody can relate. And not only that, but look up to. She, uh, she has a high school dropout. Uh, she has a husband. Uh, they're a super couple. Uh, she was pregnant uh, when she was 18. So, you know, there's a lot of women out there that uh, can relate to the story. And uh, they, they've been successful business couple, business family oriented. Uh, so with no further ado, Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us today. Appreciate well, it. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm uh, honored to be here to be able to share my story and give knowledge of whatever information you guys uh, want to give your audience. I'm super excited about it. I always love to be able to give some uh, powerful knowledge out there that if they could take it and run with it like we did, it just always makes me fulfilled. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Go ahead, Jeremy. So um, we want to start. So we, we know and in, in, in we want to take it uh, differently than other podcasts. Uh, people can hear for, for our audience. People can hear your story in other, uh, in other episodes. Uh, but we know, for example, yeah, you're a high school dropout. There's a lot of people out there that can relate to that. Uh, you, I know for a fact that you, uh, you became pregnant very young, at a very young age. Another thing that, uh, that we know and people can also uh, um, listen in other episodes is that uh, you met your husband at a really young age, right? Um, you guys, he's very uh, entrepreneurial mindset, and he's the one that got you into that mindset, right? And then um, you became pregnant, and you guys did what a lot of people do is you focus on the baby, and you went back to work, right? Um, and let's let's start by what happens when when you have this vision, right? You want to be an entrepreneur, and you have your business going on, and, and something like that comes to your life, and you have to leave everything and do something that it wasn't your ideal anymore, which is work for somebody. Let's start by that, and then we we move on. Okay, so yeah, so I got pregnant extremely young and only being with my husband now for six months, I didn't even know him. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was like a really challenging time in my life. Um, so we were, you know, when I had just met him, he was already very entrepreneur mindset and um, I had no clue what entrepreneur, you know, was, how to get there, even what the concept was. So um, luckily, I met somebody that did and was able to shine some light on our path. Um, but when we got pregnant, we actually had to stop all of our entrepreneurship. Both of us go hit the road and really work for somebody and try to make some type of income. Meanwhile, that in the back end, when we would get home on the weekends, we would still work on our goal plan. What was our final 
goals in life and where we wanted to be. And we never gave that up, no matter what challenge came into our way. We never allowed that to bring us down. All we did was started to stack and rack of like what we say right now, we started trying to stack up all of our little bit of monies that we made in a business. Because man, imagine we were working at an, as an employee. We weren't entrepreneurship at this time. My husband had two jobs. Um, you know, I went back to school at the very beginning because I had no trade and I was like, okay, I need to make some type of money. So I did a school for ultrasound tech, which I was doing cardiovascular type of um, tech. And then my husband was working two jobs at the time. At that point, then when I got my degree, I was able to go work. And then he kind of let go of one of his jobs and um, focused on being an entrepreneur during the day and at night have a, a job. So we did that for two or three years. And then finally, we were able to find a break and um, let go of our jobs and focus on strictly being entrepreneurs. And we had a business that um, we had just came across that we really didn't know much about, but we really put all of our focuses and effort on being uh, the best at what we could do. So we really put that focus and it paid off today. You know, if we continue on to the story, I could tell you many, many failures that we learned from that made us who we are today. Uh, but today, luckily, we're able to be very successful um, on being entrepreneurs. So, and you know, we wouldn't change it for nothing in the world. We went through many ups, many downs, you know, many flat lines. I mean, it was just everything that we went through were like this, but we wouldn't give that up for nothing in the world if they asked us to, because it was what taught us and what made us today such a strong um, entrepreneur and being very focused and getting goals done. Awesome. And so you guys had a goal from the beginning, right? Um, so my, my question is going to be, what were those goals, right? And, and the type of business that you got into, because right now your, your focus in entrepreneurial is real estate, right? So, but what was it at the beginning? Because a lot of people have goals, right? They, they want this amazing life and they start looking into, into different type of vehicles to get into it. You know, you start with uh, selling products or you start online uh, um uh, social media, whatever the case is, but how do you guys particularly start it that to get to your goal? So, you know, Bobby has this thing that he always says to everybody, having positive mental attitude and, uh, you know, being very focused and, and manifesting what you want in life and being very, very positive about it. It's, I know it sounds corny. I know it's like, oh, I can't oh. do that. But trust me, when you really look at it and you really put it on paper and you say, I'm going to be very positive about this. I'm going to manifest what I want and I'm going to go after my goals. So what we always did was that we put very small goals at the very beginning with a large goal at the end. Because what happens with people when they start doing goals and they put these large goals and they put all these, you know, um, uh, boards up with vision boards with that, you know, I want a mansion and I want a yacht and I want the Ferraris and I want the, this, and I, those are, those are not real, real set goals. Those are materialistic goals that really, that's why people never get to their goals because they're materialistic. You need to do goals. Like I'm going to make $10,000 this year. Yeah. Uh, and how am I going to make that $10,000? Well, I need to work three jobs. I need to save, you know, this much money. Um, I'm going to go and do this on the weekends. There has to be a goal for every little goal. So you have to achieve little steps 
to get to the main goal. And we, me and Bobby did that at the very beginning. We knew what our final goal was, which we always wanted to be in real estate. That was always our goal. We didn't have the money. So we knew that that goal, we couldn't get there. So what was going to be our little stepping stone to get there? And we always did that. And we're going to make this much money this year so that we could save X amount of money. The next year, we're going to do this. And we did that. We were actually successful on creating small goals with having a huge end goal in mind. So it's almost like following a path, you know, a path. You know, you can't get to the end of the path without going step by step. Mm-hmm. So that's what something I always give that advice to everybody. You know, make sure that you understand your goals and that you have little stepping stones to get there. Because if not, you're going to get super overwhelmed. And then you're going to say, you know what? I can't reach that goal. That goal is so, that's not for me. It's not true. Mm-hmm. It's just that you didn't have a stepping stone to it. You know, yeah. you need a blueprint to get to that end goal. Okay. I love it. So what I took from that is that you you broke it down into actionable task you didn't just say yeah i just wake up and do it because no one wakes up and does anything you have to break it down think of it in a smart way and then then execute you just don't act you actually take steps to then act correct exactly yep that's exactly what we did and it works miracles guys it's it's so it's such an easy little tool that just a lot of people just don't want to see it because everybody just wants to go from zero to 100 and yeah. zero to 100 is unrealistic. It, it does, yep. I don't care how much money your parents could have or somebody else, a mentor or whatever they could give you. You can't go from zero to 100. It, it's just, it, it's not completely not, agree. Not doable, let's say. Exactly. Yeah. So you guys wanted to get into real estate. That was the end goal, right? But what type of businesses do you get into to start that, right? So you got, you got, you got into business, you got pregnant, and then... Um, you guys went back into business and opened up your own business. What what type of business was that? So we were looking through the time that we got pregnant and we knew that we had to go back to being employees. During that time, we would, like I told you, every day we would get home at night, we would really sit down and like, okay, what are we, what are we looking at? What are we going to do to be able to be, you know, to get to the next level? And we would look for businesses back then. Um, there was no uh, internet back then. It was either Craigslist on, on paper or something or your newspaper, your USA today, you know, it was like different. So Bobby would search the newspapers all the time under business opportunities. And we would look at all of them and we would start creating, okay, what can we create to make money to be able to get into real estate? And we came across um, a leasing broker business. Uh, which at that time we had no clue what that meant. We were like, okay, what is this? Let's look into it. We started looking into it. It was a little small mom and pop company that was selling manuals on how to become a broker, um, a leasing broker. So what that is, was uh, any company that was looking to buy heavy equipment, um, you know, x-rays, bulldozers, uh, all these big equipments for their companies, but they didn't have good credit and they were declined by the bank to get a lease or a finance, we would then go after those deals and we would place them with uh, community banks that would do more of your local deals and they would deal with a little bit of bad credit if the, if the business was doing good. Yeah. So we were able to get into that business and being the you know strong entrepreneur that my husband was, he really dig deep into it. Um, and how to really be successful because everybody else that would buy that manual, 
the reviews were terrible. They're like, oh, this is a, a scam. You can't get this business. Um, it only gives you a manual. I don't know what this is. I don't know how to do it. But we took the time of what I tell everybody. When you do something, get all the knowledge in that industry. Don't waste your time on looking at other industries if you're in this industry. Look at that industry, really deep dive into it, learn every little ins and outs so that you could be the best at whatever level you're at, you're doing your best at that level. So we did that and we went scaling that business um, from, uh, I think that was in, my daughter was probably like three years old. So like in 1995, something like that, we started this business. Um, me and Bobby at home, no office, no brick and mortar. We were inside an apartment, a two bedroom apartment with a little, you know, a, a dinosaur computer, you know, a, and a typewriter. And, uh, and that's how we would fax our stuff. Oh, and a fax machine because it wasn't even. Standing. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, we created this business from zero. And in 2019, uh, we were able to exit that business, uh, with a $1 billion evaluation, my um, God, and, that's and amazing. We were able to successfully exit out of that business and now focusing 100% on our real estate portfolio. Wow. That's incredible. So so tell us, because I find it interesting. I, I like, I, like I told you before we started recording, uh, I listened to your story in so many podcasts, right? Um, so you guys sold the company and then you guys got into, into real estate. Uh, so we got to real estate before we sold the business. We've been okay. in real estate since 2003. We were running both businesses at the same time. But uh, one was doing better than the other at that and, point. Well, at that point, our, our still the business that we sold was still bringing in a cash flow that was just ridiculous. It yeah. was a business that still to this day is super successful, continues to grow. Um, it's an amazing, amazing business. So that business was our mother our mother cow, you know, bringing yeah. in all that big cash so that we could start looking into, because we do more of a generational wealth in real estate. We don't look to flip and make, you know, $50,000, $100,000, 20. That's not what we're in for yeah. in our multifamily portfolio. We're more into cash flow today, first day that we buy the property and needs a cash flow. And we look for generational wealth type of thing. So we look for properties that we're able to keep in our portfolio for a long period of time and not looking to sell. So that's not the, what we look to to do when we buy our real estate portfolio. So that's a that's a great point. What, what is your what is your actual strategy? Are you looking into more large commercial multifamily? Are you looking into storage? Uh, or is it all, just all commercial depending on the deal and are you doing just joint ventures syndication what how are you how are you structuring so or is it all the above? Off, <laughs> yeah so when we first started off back in 2003 I'll tell you a, a story how we got into real estate and it was a big failure and how we learned what we're doing today um, we got involved in 2003 with a group that we really didn't know much. Um, we didn't know them and they didn't know us much. And we didn't know the industry that they were inviting us to um, join venture with them. But back in 2003 to 2007, condo conversions were extremely popular. I'm not sure if you know what condo conversion is, but mm -hmm. that's when you buy an apartment building, take out all the renters and turn all the units into condos. So you sell them individually to different owners. So now you have, let's say a hundred doors in a building, you're selling a hundred condos. 
And yeah. now you have an HOA and it's, it's a condo living and you own the units. And we would buy the multifamilies. We would get all the renters out and we were converting them. But in that conversion from 2005 all the way to 2007, the world was starting to fall apart um, and the financial crisis came in. Well, we kind of almost lost everything that we had saved our, our hard earning money for many years because we didn't know and had no knowledge of that industry. And we got caught in the financial burden. Thank God that we knew business and that we had our business that was giving us a lot of cash flow to be able to maintain this failing business that we had gotten into. Um, and we were able to get out of it. We lost a lot of money, but we didn't go either foreclosure nor did we lose everything. We never stopped paying one of our uh, mortgages that we had with the banks. We never failed on any of our payments, thank God. But what we learned from that was that when this crisis happened, we still had renters in some of the apartment buildings that we had bought. We had bought over $80 million worth of condo conversion. So we had bought over, yeah, we had bought a lot because we had the money, we knew business and we thought, oh, we know it all. We could go in there. We could, we have the money. We run a business. <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, this is so easy. Well, yeah. like I advised a little while ago, don't ever get into a business that you at least don't have some type of knowledge and that you know that you're going to start small and start growing as you get more knowledge. So we almost failed there. But what we took from that, like I told you, that failure was a university degree. It was the best thing that ever happened to us, to tell you the truth. We learned what cash flow was all about. And we learned what multifamily real estate, how to really run it and have a successful portfolio and that you're able to run it for generations to come. Um, so okay. with that mistake, we we started going, we, we, we chilled out for two years. We didn't do anything. We tried to manage all of the, you know, all the apartment buildings that we have bought that were failures at that point. We were able to sell them. And then what I did, uh, what, actually what me and Bobby did, we decided that we were going to study the market a little bit more and start learning what multifamily apartment building was all about. So we did that. And in 2011, we started buying one single family home at a time because we said, even though we had the money, remember, we are at this point, we're already, you know, we're pretty good. We have enough savings. We had enough cash to go out on the market and go buy any real estate that we wanted. But we were like, you know what? We're not doing that. We're going to learn it. So we ended up buying 16 single family homes and renting them out, learning the rental business in a small scale. Yeah. From that point in 2012, I think the ending of 2012, we started buying duplexes. And then we went to 10 doors and 15 doors. And we went like that until 2017. We had bought uh, over 23 properties that had about 330 doors of our portfolio, all small garden apartments, anything from duplex. The biggest apartment building that we had was about a 40 unit. That was it. We never went past that. But we learned the business from 2011 to 2017. Yeah. We learned the multifamily business in and out. We did every market studies. We did everything. We did a deep dive into it. And in 2017, we uh, sold all of that portfolio and decided that we were going to go into bigger portfolios and only buy 
a hundred plus stores. So any property had to have a hundred has to have a hundred doors or more for us to buy it. Nice. So we've grown, you know, we started very small, but with the time learning with the curves, you know, getting all the failures out of the way in a small little way. And then now we're, you know, bigger, uh, buy way bigger apartments today. We own yeah. about 3000 doors, um, all, all in Florida, Tennessee and Texas. And we do not syndicate to answer that question. That's been all of our own money. Uh, we've never done any kind of syndication with anyone. We do have a partnership in, um, in uh, one of the big buildings that we just bought. It was a 400 door, but we're 95%. And yeah. uh, it's with a big uh, group that they do um, workforce housing. So we decided to go on with that's our first, first joint venture. Uh, we do have uh, some other inv um, investments with the, that were passive investors. That was at the very beginning when we first got into the big properties that we wanted to see what they were doing and learn a little bit more about the big properties because it's different yeah. than when you own garden apartments and when you own big communities. So we learned that part. And now today, you know, luckily we have a very successful portfolio and we're growing every day we buy, you know, we're looking to buy and grow this portfolio to, you know, I don't know when. <laughs> to when. Yeah, no, that, that is amazing. And I love the concept of, you know, you, you pretty much took what you could handle or thought you can handle at what I imagine at that time was still a large scale or large, you know, amount of asset, but for you, it was enough to know how to run the business. And I think we relate to that because we, we're like, hey, at 20, we understand it. We're learning. We're perfecting our, our trade. And then from there, there we can scale uh, to bigger and better things. But you mentioned, you know, the, the biggest learning experience was that that failure with that uh, condo conversion. And, I, and I'm curious to know is what, you know, what you took out of that to perfect your skill was it you know how to handle renters better how to because uh, you, you mentioned you learn how to actually look at cash flow right like what is that what do you mean by that that piece there too and, and give so us some nuggets. when we went into the condo conversion the way that the the whole um investment perf uh, portfolio that they brought up to us was a complete different um performance it was supposed to be on sale so we were going to buy say a hundred, I'm just saying a number, we buy a hundred units at a hundred dollars per, you know, a hundred dollars per unit. And we're looking to sell this for, you know, a hundred and 250,000 per door, you know, yeah. something like that. So we were looking more at the, at the ROI. What was our end results coming in? We weren't worried about cash flow. We didn't want any renters in there. That wasn't the, that wasn't the way the platform was supposed to be running. So when that, uh, 2007 or um, 2006 hit and we went into operation emergency mode because yeah. nobody was going to buy nobody was financing no bank was going to give out so no loan no so they had to go back to renting so uh, when we did that we were like hold on a minute we got renters in here we're getting a money on a monthly basis and we're able to support the all the expenses through the rent that's coming in so yeah. at that point we just shift from, you know, concentrating on an ROI to concentrating on an NOI <laughs> on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, so, and how to manage a property because on a monthly basis, you know, you have 
tenants that have issues, tenants that are not paying, um, how to get the tenants into your building, you know, how to keep the buildings clean, how to do your turnovers, um, you know, how much do you put into that building in order to receive a good NOI? So all those things are completely different than when we were first going into the business as a condo conversion. So were you guys self-managing or were you, did you have a property manager? Yeah, so or? we self-managed um, all oh the way from gosh. the 2006 all the way to 2017. We self-managed. Wow, that is, that is work. That is yeah. work. It's work, but let me tell you, whoever wants to get into multifamily investing, um, all I could tell you is that you need to know how to manage your properties before you could be successful. So yeah. at the very beginning, you have to put in that hard equity sweat and be your property management, even though that you're going to hire people, right? Um, but you need to understand that business because that's the heartbeat of being having a successful portfolio in, in multifamily. But you wow, guys had a you guys had a shift mentality in that too because you don't self manage anymore, right? No, no, nope, okay, we don't self manage no more. Now we do asset management. Got it. So and, now and you know how to manage them. Exactly, you have to know how to manage them. It's it's so important because when you hire a management company and they're managing your asset and you don't know what is right or wrong or when to do certain things in a property and a property manager is telling you, a property management company is telling you what to do and you see no good success out of it or, or your NOIs are not great. And you're saying, but they're telling me that this is the way it is. So you're saying, oh, the property, it's the property, it's this, it's that. No, it could be your property management. A lot of times, most of the times it's your management company that's not being successful and that's why you're not getting the NOI or you're having so many issues in a property. So we made sure that we learned how to property management and trust me, that was a difficult task. Um, it was not fun. I would work way more hours when I had to manage my properties because I had to be the babysitter for my employees, right? So I needed to make sure that they were getting things done at the right time, that they were executing the plan that we had put in place for them and all this stuff. So it was a babysitting job, believe me, it was not fun, but I learned so much that today, my property management company or the property management company that we use, uh, we meet with them on every two weeks. We have a Zoom call with every single regional property manager in that, in, that manages our properties. And we go over things and I tell you, I love them. They're awesome. They're excellent. They're, I have no complaints. But if we don't implement certain rules to them, they would do things that didn't go with our core value and that it wasn't going to give us the max NOI that we were looking for. Either they were doing too much expenses or they're not giving the right concessions at the right time or they're not worrying about marketing. Always something. So if you know and you're able to asset manage, it's the best thing ever. At that point, then you're sitting pretty and you could go work from wherever and you're going to get a mailbox money in that every month. Here you go. You go to your mailbox and you're going to, yay. <laughs> and you did really once a month or twice a month that you did meetings with your management company and that you make sure that your numbers are good. Nice. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That That is the goal right there. That is the goal. And then, okay, so... As you move forward now, what is the vision and what is the goal? Because I I see a lot of people and, and personally, you know, not the more I've gotten into this and the more I realize is if I get to a point 
where I have the capital to outright, you know, JV or buy multifamily, I could also become the bank. Have you ever thought of an, an equity firm a, or a different, a different avenue towards that? Yes, funny you say that. Yes, we <laughs> have a. I'm actually working on a really big plan right now, which should be taking off probably by the beginning of 2021, and it's a very similar. I'm going to be buying um, buying some small garden apartments uh, when you know if I could get them through foreclosures or tax liens or whatever it is. I'm going to have a, a inventory of small garden apartments and also being able to do owner financing on those um, small garden apartments is what our goal is for 2021 right now. Awesome. That's great. That's yes. great. And, and then with all the audience out there that are trying yeah. to get in and yeah. they can't get financing or they can't find the deals, we're going to already have those deals set up. Like when we buy them, we'll make sure that we already have renters in them. It's going to be a cash flowing business. And all we do is we're going to do owner financing until they could then go get their own financing and refinance it once they're ready. And that's over. an amazing concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's yeah. great. That's hopefully you'll be done uh, by 2020, you know, sometime in February, March. Nice. And what's your, what's your big goal? In life. The big goal is being able to leave my uh, grandkids and a hundred year legacy where they're able to have, you know, all that hard work that we did. And of course, not giving it to them without doing any work because our, uh, my kids, my kids, our kids, mine and Bobby's kids, uh, they're 29 and 24 and they have to go to work every day. They're at our office. My daughter has her own business. My son works with us and also has another business on his own um, but they have to they have to participate in the family business or do whatever they need to do but they need to they can't sit at home and just here you go but I, my legacy that I want to leave behind is teaching them how to be entrepreneurs but they already have an easier road than what we had they already yeah. have the blueprint set for them and all they need to do is follow it but that's that's my biggest goal is being able to be that successful in life where I could just um, know that hundred year legacy is set and that we made it. So nice. that's, that's something that really gets me excited. I also have a question. Uh, what was the most satisfying business experience that you've had throughout, you know, your, your career? Well, I have to say being able to uh, get the company that we started from zero and having it be evaluated at a $1 billion uh, that had to be the best feeling in the world. And not only because of the money, um, the money was great. Trust me. I yeah, love yeah. It. I'm not going to tell you that was bad, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but the sensation of being able that we were able to create such a steady business. And that today, even though that we've been out for a year, that company's already grown an evaluation, you know, uh, another million dollars probably. So it's wow. just such a good satisfaction that, you know, myself Something and my built. husband coming from nothing, having zero dollars and that we were able to create that company and be able to, you know, exit out with that evaluation has been a, a, an ecstasy. It's been awesome. Nice. That's amazing. I love it. That is amazing. Yeah. And I, I, I am so excited that we were able to talk to you and, and get to pick your brain because that is and it's truly an, an adventure there, especially for Latinos and, and anyone out there who, who started from zero. Like 
all you have to do is set up those tasks, hit it every day, make it happen and have a positive attitude. That's what I'm taking out of this. Yep. But I want to ask you, what kind of what kind of systems do you have in place? I know you we talked about property management, but then, you know, are you also doing anything for asset protection? Like, for example, like, are you doing whole life insurance? Are you doing any other things that we could talk about for generational wealth? Too? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we have a um, an attorney that specializes in estate planning. And they um, actually put a complete plan together for what, what, depending on what your goals are. So we have a a hundred year generational plan that we want to leave behind. And we want to make sure that we are protected. Number one, with, you know, all your trust, um, making sure that when, uh, you know, all the taxes that implement into a trust are well taken care of, we put, uh, we put insurance on, you know, life insurance, whole insurance, a second to die all of those type of insurance to make sure that when we're not here, that all those taxes that this uh, lovely government wants to take from us once we're gone, that the kids or the grandkids or grandkids, whatever it is, they're not get, they don't get stuck with having to reduce 50% of everything that we own to give it to the government. So we're very well, um, you know, um, strategically done by putting on insurance, trust, um, putting uh, wills in places. There's so many steps to this, but we have an attorney that is amazing and he deals only with estate planning. So yeah, it is, uh, that's something that's very, very important. Even when you start little, um, you know, once you start generating some net worth and that you have, um, that you're going in a, in a goal plan, I would suggest everybody to, you know, to consult with an estate attorney, because it makes a big difference. I didn't know this at the very beginning of uh, us getting into real estate and thank God nothing happened. But at the very beginning, we had it all um, done very, uh, you know, mom and pop way and we weren't protected. So if God forbid something would have happened to us, you know, that generational wealth that we wanted to create wouldn't have stayed because we did it the wrong way because we didn't consult an attorney thinking, yeah. oh, this is only, you know, $100,000 or $500,000. Oh, it doesn't matter. But it does matter because whatever little bit you have, you want to protect it. I mean, you yeah. did work hard for it. So you don't want to just lose it to give 50% or, or more to, you know, to the government or to anybody that comes after you. So you brought up a, a good point there. And because I've been looking a lot into estate planning. I'm the, I'm more the planner in, in the, in the business here with my brother, but uh, you know, one of the things I always debate and it's hard to know what estate planner to go to or what lawyer to go to, because not because I don't know their estate planners, but because I know there's quality differences in who you go to, right? It's like a CPA, not all CPAs know cost segregation, not all CPAs know this or that, or, or you have to be tailored. So it's always hard to get a good, reference but when do you recommend actually because you're saying starts even when you're small but how would you one is it expensive at at a you know if you're really looking at a, a nice structure of of trust but when do you really think it's the right moment to go and do that so you know at the very beginning it is very expensive I tell this to a lot of my of uh, people that come to me and ask me for advice on this. At the very beginning, go to a real, uh, real estate attorney that 
you know, and don't go to the ones that are charging 700,000 an hour, you know, they're like ones that are want to just take your whole entire savings. So go look for something that, you know, you know that you could use an associate in the practice instead of using the main guy, but that they yeah. understand real estate. Don't necessarily need to go get an estate attorney yet at the very beginning, but the least you need to go get is, um, you need to go get an, a real estate attorney so that at least when he's doing your LLCs for each properties, that they're making the correct, who's going to own the LLC, what percentage is going to go in, what, you know, so that you're at least that part, you're, you're doing it correctly. Once you start getting a little bit more that you have an estate, I mean, a net worth, I would say, you know, that's getting close to 500,000, a million dollars. I would say that within that time, I would definitely consult one. Um, and they might tell you, hey, it's too early for you to spend this kind of money, but this is what you need to do, or at least they guide you a little bit because they'll give you some um, you know, reference on what to do. But an, a real estate attorney that understands real estate, I will consult them from day one. A CPA, okay. when you're going to yeah, go into yeah. real estate, a CPA has to be extremely focused on real estate because I, this happened to me too. I went to a normal CPA, my business CPA. He didn't know anything about real estate and he didn't take advantage of a lot of the tax advantages that you have through real estate at the very beginning. The first two years, we lost a bunch of um, benefits that we didn't know about because we went to a normal CPA. So a, a real estate CPA and a real estate attorney are two people that I would say that you need on your team from day one. No, that's amazing advice. And I like that because that's that's actionable and that's exactly where I'm thinking of where should I, I try to do this? And I'm always thinking of setting a foundation. So sometimes you can set that foundation too early and sometimes you absolutely need it. And there's a yes. point where, where it really is. So we appreciate that. German, what you got? No, I'm uh, I'm amazed. This is exactly where I wanted to take the podcast to uh, actionable uh, um, steps. Uh, so I really appreciate it, Sophia. I know we value your time um, for the uh, and we we want to close uh, for our listeners. Where can they find you um, so they can they can contact you if they have any questions? Yes. So on Instagram, it's uh, official Sophia Castro, and Sophia is with the F, not the PH. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's Sofia Castro. And on Facebook, it's Sofia Estrada Castro. Okay. Awesome. And I also have a website that you could go to, which is officialsofiacastro.com. It doesn't have the queen in it. It does have the queen. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Don't see it. No. So right. She is the official. Awesome. <laughs> All awesome. right. And then for the listeners out there, if you could give us a five-star review, show us some love and uh, let us know if we can ever help in any way, uh, feel free to contact us. We're always available and open. And yeah, we have resources on our page. So get out there, make it happen, people. <laughs>